0: Hello, hello, my name is Katie and this is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. I am especially pumped about today's episode because this is where my passions, my real life, my mom life, my this podcast all meet as we are going to unpack life lessons from your 20s from Taylor Swift. Yes, my friends, <laughs> whether you are a fan or not, I promise this is going to be a very, interesting episode. So why did I decide to talk about this? Well, as you probably know, we have two teen daughters and naturally they have become huge Taylor Swift fans and I like to be interested in what my kids are interested in. And so in typical Katie fashion... I, I just go all in. I don't know if it's like my Enneagram number, or my personality, whatever it is. My husband jokes that like you just got to ride the wave, like when Katie's passionate about something. I mean, I, I've read all the articles. I've listened to all the podcasts. I've watched all the YouTube videos. I just become all in. I get obsessed. It's just, it's a good and a bad thing, right? Well, this sweet young lady, Taylor Swift, I have learned so much about her in the past few months. And it's inspiring. There are some very inspiring life lessons to be gleaned from her life. As I said, whether you're a fan or not, you can't deny she's kind of a big deal and that just didn't land on her. That took a lot of hard work, a lot of good decisions, and a lot of stuff we're going to unpack today. But before we do, I want to leave a review of the week. So this is so sweet. Uh, this actually isn't wasn't left publicly. This was a DM. So this DM says, apparently Spotify won't let me leave reviews. So that is true. If you just start listening to the podcast on Spotify, you have to listen to a certain number of episodes before it lets you leave a review. Um, so, you know, keep on listening. And we love it when you leave reviews on Spotify or iTunes. It really helps other people to find the podcast. And I like to read those sometimes on episodes to give you a shout out and, and encourage other people to leave the time to review. But this sweet DM is basically a review of the podcast. And it's so sweet. She says, I want to tell you how inspiring your podcast is. I've been binging all week long. I've been a Christian my whole life, but I never had a relationship with God, nor did I ever read the Bible. I was one of those girls who would only pray when I felt scared or needed help. Anywho, my life has basically done a total 180, and I'm truly grateful for people like you who are extremely helpful and encouraging. Your podcast is so well thought out, planned, informative, well-spoken, convicting, but in the best possible way, just overall touching. On behalf of everyone who listens to the podcast, thank you. Thank you for serving God and helping others. You are amazing. Well, you are amazing for taking the time to leave a review. It's just, it's so kind. Social media, you get kind of instant feedback like, Hey, I like this. I don't like this, whatever. But with podcasts, it's not, it's hard to like, Hey, are you picking up what I'm throwing down over here? Right. And I don't get that unless I hear reviews or this DM. So I really appreciate when you guys take time to do that. And I have a pretty good feeling. We're going to get a lot of feedback from this episode because this is just such interesting stuff. All right. Life lessons from Taylor Swift. You guys, I took a ton of notes as, (laughs) as I already said, When I am passionate about something, God bless the people who try and get in my way. It's like, uh, it's just like trying to stop a freight train (laughs) and my daughters are both very interested too. So I've learned all the things. Here we go. Okay, put on your seatbelts. Here we go. All of the good stuff. I want to first kind of preface this though, and unpack this idea of fame. I almost did an entire separate episode on this and and maybe I will, but we live in this interesting time where, you know, YouTube stars are famous. Social media people are famous. This idea of fame is so, so relative. And, you know, if you think way, way back, maybe political heroes or, or war heroes were famous, And then, you know, maybe a few actors and act like it's just now so much more people are famous and, and Taylor Swift is arguably one of the most famous people in the world and, and how, what is fame and how do we get there? And what I want to mention is I believe that we were all made to worship that is put in us by our designer, by our creator. We, we were made to worship. This is, you. if you just take a step back and look at the world, it's not too complicated to see this. And you look at, you know, from the beginning of time, people have made golden calves and statues, like we've all worshiped something. And then this idea of famous people, people put other people on pedestals and like, oh my gosh, you know, you're the bee's knees. And then we put humans on a pedestal they were never made to be on. And I want to unpack that first because I'm a huge fan. I'm here doing this podcast on Taylor Swift. I think she's amazing. I think she's wonderful but I do think she's a human flawed, just like me, flawed, just like you. And I think that's part of us. When we put people on this pedestal, it's, it's unhealthy. And she said in so many of her songs too, like I'm the anti-hero, like stop rooting for me. Like I'm broken too. I'm flawed too. I- I'm just a human. <laughs> and so just putting this all in a healthy perspective, right? And and all that being said, I love Jesus. <laughs> and we teach our daughters that We love Taylor Swift. We love a lot of people in the limelight. We can learn so many life lessons from them, but they're not Jesus. They're not worthy of our worship. Again, love them. Want to buy their songs. Want to go to the concerts. But it is so unfair and untrue. As I've talked about, we do this with boyfriend-girlfriend relationships too. We put other flawed humans on this pedestal. And I just want to talk about that first because, you know, I think about this little blonde girl from Pennsylvania, you know, she had a passion to write music. She had a passion to be a singer songwriter and she's done that well, but she never set out to be (laughs) someone that we worship. She, you know, and, and so we pick apart her life and, Oh, you did this wrong and you did that wrong. Yeah, because she's imperfect. And so yes, as a Christian mom, I would prefer if she didn't have some F-bombs in her song, right? Like I, I would prefer, but I'm not here to say you are not, She is not our girl's savior. She is not my savior. She's not anyone's savior. She is a rock star. She's a pop star who has done a really good job with singing songwriting, and I just think we need to put all that in a healthy perspective as Christians to appreciate people's work, not tear them down when it's not perfect, and we don't need them to be our Bible study leader. We don't need them to be our savior. We have a Jesus who has done that very, very well, right? So just keeping all that in a healthy perspective. Okay, now let's get into my notes. Let's get into the good stuff. So to understand, to take the life lessons that she has taught us just watching her career, we got to bring it back to baby. Taylor. I really like baby baby, but 11-year-old Taylor is when I just am so inspired by some of her early life lessons. And she's already, you know, writing songs at this point, just scratching stuff down, playing the guitar and stuff like that. She begs her mom to take her down to Nashville. And she goes door to door to music producers in Nashville. "Hey, I'm Taylor Swift and I want a record deal." I imagine her, you know, she's pretty tall, but imagine she's short at this point like her head barely passing the desk of the producer like hey my name's Taylor Swift and I want a record deal <laughs> it's just you know this little fire personality 11 years old she's going door door and asking for a record deal now the family still lives in Pennsylvania at this point but obviously a fire is already within her of I want to have a record deal so she she begs her mom to take her down there now nothing really happened from that trip but at 14, they finally moved down there. So, for the next three years, and I'm sure started before then too, she is persistent, like begging her family to move to Nashville to chase her dreams. Faith Hill was one of her heroes, Shania Twain, and she, you know, know that they got a lot of their start in Nashville. And so she just has her sights set. I got to go to Nashville to chase my dreams. But before they move, another interview that I heard from her that just like, I show this to my daughters, it's so inspiring. She is learning to play guitar on a six string guitar. As you know, there's really uh, a six string and a 12 string guitar. I'm sure there's a million other different types, but those are the main two types of guitars. And she asked her guitar teacher at 11 years old, um, what's the difference in a six string and a 12 string guitar? And he says, oh, there's no really point in me answering that for you. You're too young. You're too little. Like, you're never going to play a 12 string. And baby Taylor gets her, like, fiery personality, and she's like, watch me. And that is what I love about this girl. This We're going to see this over and over in all of the life lessons she teaches us, that when people say she can't, she says, watch me. So... (laughs) At she, I think she's like 11 at this point. She asked for a 12-string guitar for Christmas. She gets that 12-string guitar for Christmas, and she plays that until her fingers bleed over and over. Yeah, she has like little baby fingers. You know, they are too small at this point. It was harder for her. But dang it, she figured the dang thing out. Here's a little clip from that interview. And... I just realized that if I put my mind to something, then it was really mind over matter. And maybe my fingers weren't long enough or developed enough to yeah. play it, but I played it. Wow. And so, you know, it's, it's really exciting to see that, you know, ha guitar teacher. There you That's go. That's kind of why, I mean, for me, I'm really competitive and I'm really stubborn. Yeah. So if yeah. you tell me I can't do something, You're I'm going to go do it. You're going to get it done too. <laughs> You're going to get it done. Isn't that so cute? I love that interview. And this is why my love for her is kind of just started as, you know, like I said, my daughter started loving her and I just wanted to unpack who is she? How did she get her start? Who is the personality that makes up this global superstar that has broken so many records and sold so many albums. And and I think it's right there. And that is the life lesson that I want you to just marinate on for a second that she had and still has obviously a passion burning within her soul to do what I believe she was created to do. And all of us have different passions and different purposes in this world. But just starting early. And and it's okay. I know you're probably past 11, obviously, at this point, it's okay to start whenever you start. But the only way to get ahead is to get started, right? But this young lady just never took no for an answer. And again, we're going to see this repetitively in her career, when people say she can't, she says, watch me and just that fire moving forward. (sighs) It gets me excited. Okay, so at 14 years old, she convinces her family to move to Nashville. Something to be noted here is this was never something that was pressured by her family. This was all something within her that was like, I have this fashion within me. It must come out, right? So it was never pressured from her family or anything. Uh, much the opposite, really. And, but anyway, she moves to Nashville at 14. At 15, she gets her very first record deal with Big Machine Records. Her producer was a guy named Scott Bruschetta. And here's another, you know, moment in time where we just can take notes from Taylor Swift because she is there, you know, in the recording studio playing one of her songs. And and Scott Bruschetta is like, wow, you know, that's really nice, young lady. Who wrote that song with you? And she's like, oh, that was just me. And it was this moment of like, I'm sorry, what? Like you, you wrote that all by yourself. And I think that that's such an interesting thing to note, because if we were to look at the art Katie made when she was 15 or 14 or anywhere along that timeline, um, barf, it needs to be lit on fire. Right. But we are still celebrating art. This young lady made when she was 14, 15, 16 years old. That is amazing. So, you know, I always say, even if you don't like her singing, even if you don't like her dancing, even if you don't like her business choices, you can't knock her songwriting abilities. Like what in the world? We are still celebrating art she made when she was 16. So case in point right there. Okay, first album is called Taylor Swift, just debut album. Second one is called Fearless. They both do pretty well. So they're both country albums, both doing really well. And in fact, in 2009, she is accepting the Video Music Award of the Year for you belong with me. Now, just this is where it gets juicy. Okay. And side note, if you have a friend or family member who's like Taylor Swift, whatever, you might want to send in this episode because like, I just kind of unpack all the things and put it in one episode for them to help them understand the highs and the lows and the good and the bad. So just trying to make it easy for you, but here is where we get into the juicy stuff. Okay. 2009. She is 19 years old. Very exciting point in her career. She is being awarded for Video of the Year for You Belong With Me. And in 2009, Kanye famously gets up on stage This is being recorded live, takes the microphone from her hand, and he's like, Taylor, I'm going to let you finish, but Beyonce had the greatest video of all time. Everyone was just kind of like shell-shocked. She, The microphone is handed back to her, but she doesn't finish saying anything because she doesn't even know what's happening. The crowd starts booing. She doesn't know what's happening. She thinks the crowd is booing for her. She just like walks off the stage. It was all this like crazy moment. Now, in 2009, everyone was talking about this. Even President Obama at the time says famously, Kanye was a jackass. I can say that because it's also a donkey, okay? But like everyone was talking about this. It It was a very big deal. And, you know, Taylor, who again is 19, Kanye is like in his thirties at this point. He was an established rapper. He was a big deal. She said in an interview later, like she looked up to him. He, She was a fan. So she could have taken this a lot of ways she could have gone to her social media and been like, what a jerk agreeing with the president. Um, she She didn't know what to do. But this is another point to note why we appreciate who she is. She's so young at this point, but she takes the higher road. And as she's been a role model, again, not perfect, not Jesus, but how she has done some positive things for women, for young ladies. So she comes out with a song, Innocent, on her album, Speak Now. And again, under a little bit of scrutiny, she's like this young girl and she's getting all these awards and people are starting to question, who is she? Surely she wrote these songs with other people. Um... Like, she, no way she did this by herself. No way she's that talented. And so she kind of digging her heels in, another reason why I like her, stubborn. She's like, oh, you say I'm not that talented? I'm going to write an entire album all by myself. That is the album Speak Now. That is when we get the song Innocent. That's when we get the six minute long song Enchanted, written all by herself. And Innocent, in response to Kanye's not so nice thing, she says lyrics like, your string of lights is still bright to me, What you are is not where you've been. You're still an innocent. Like, she's just nice. She just takes the higher road. But unfortunately, Kanye does not. So things are all pretty chill for a few years, or at least as the Kanye drama goes. But her next album is called Red. It is still technically a country album, but with pop leanings or pop tendencies, if you will. She has hits like 22 and I knew you were trouble when you walked in. But her producer is like, but you can't be pop your country. You've had success in country. You can't do this. And in typical Taylor fashion, people say you can't. And she says, watch me. Her next album is her most successful up until this point, 1989, a exclusively pop album. And it takes the world by storm. This set her is like pop gold. This had hits like Blank Space, Shake It Off, Welcome to New York. And then Kanye comes back into the picture. He had previously apologized. They seemed to be amicable. They had a few public appearances together and then things got ugly. So he writes this song famous where essentially he's saying that he made that be referring to Taylor Swift famous and saying that saying some very unkind things about her and infamously as well. There is a recorded phone call recording about this. So apparently he called, and said, "Hey, is this okay that I say these terrible things about you in a song?" She never okayed it. She never said it was okay. But Kim Kardashian, Kanye's wife, um, like twisted it, spliced it together to make it sound like she was okay with it, and. It just got very ugly. People were chanting at Kanye West concerts. F Taylor Swift, F Taylor Swift. Trending all over Twitter was Taylor Swift is over. The video about the song famous y'all this is disgusting it has like video fake video that they put of to make a girl look like taylor swift and kanye and his wife all in bed together like it was just filth disgusting like lowball after he steals the award from her she is the bigger person comes out with the song innocent everything's fine and then he just goes double dog dirty it's just so classless I do want to make sure I note that despite all of this was going on at this point, Beyonce and Taylor, well, they never had any beef. They have always been friends, but Beyonce was also a beautiful, bigger person. Let Taylor take the mic at one point when it was supposed to be Beyonce's. They have just continuously from the beginning and especially now supported each other. I don't know if you've seen the news. They've both gone to each other's premiere for their movie concerts. Um, Another thing to note from their life, just women supporting women. And I am so here for it. Anyway, back to the drama. So Taylor Swift is basically being canceled at this point. But wait, there's more. Right before this. So 1989 comes out in 2014. All this stuff with Kanye. 2016 is when his song Famous comes out. But right a little bit before that, she is in a radio interview for when 1989 was about to come out. And this radio host, this like guy in his 40s, she's what young twenties at this point, he gropes her. Like it was on camera. It was on video. It was pictures. There was witnesses. Like there was no mistaking. He like reached under her skirt and groped her. God bless. Like anyways. So she was like, she said something about it. Thankfully she was like, what the heck, you know, not cool. They fire the guy. She goes on with her life, you know, whatever. And then we have her success of 1989. Kanye comes out of the woodwork. I'm going to write this song. I made you famous. Like, are you jealous of her fame now? Like what's going on, Kanye? And then radio host guy who gets fired two years later, notices all of her success from 1990s. Like, Oh yeah, let me sue you for $5 million. Yes. Radio host guy who like, is it total? oh Really? You grope this girl half your age and there's a million witnesses and you have the audacity to sue her for $5 million? Reason number, I'm not sure what we're on of why we love Taylor Swift is she countersued him, not because she needed the money. She countersued him for $1. She was like, this is not okay. And she was taking a stand for women all over the place because she had an advantage of this was on camera. There were eyewitnesses. There were so many people like, you are not getting away with this. And as she has said publicly from the stage that I just, my heart breaks for those of you who didn't have it on camera and and you weren't believed and, and I'm just so broken for you. Um, there's a song clean that was on, on 1989 album and it was originally written of kind of like, I'm, I'm coming clean. I, I no longer remember um, the hard feelings about you coming clean from a breakup and stuff like that. And it also kind of has a double meaning of, of you know, being believed and being understood after the allegations and, and saying, you know, this happened to me and, and she was believed, thankfully, and she won this um, this lawsuit, but oh my gosh. Okay. So, oh, and another quick life lesson in her, look what you made me do video. She has a dollar bill laying beside her. Like she's in this bathtub covered in diamonds and there's a dollar bill laying beside her signifying that lawsuit win. Ah, it's so inspiring. All of this happens. Um, 1989 successful. And then these, these two men specifically are just like, oh, you know, you are, you're terrible. I want a piece of your pie. Also, you know, you have the, like, you're really not that smart. The whole blank space was kind of this um, satire of everyone saying, you're a man eater. You date too much. Um, watch out. Every time she was pictured even close to another guy in public, they were like, watch out, guy. You're going to have a song written about you and she's going to break you up. And and they said she was sleeping around. They said all these terrible things about her. So, so much bad press is going on. Um, again, trending on on Twitter is Taylor Swift is over. People are chanting at Kanye's concerts, F Taylor Swift. She goes into hiding. She's like, this is what the world wants. I, I guess I've hit the top of my career. Um, the world has tolerated, you know, what they can of me. This is the as best I can do as a young woman. Um, I guess that's it. She goes into hiding. Um, this is also fun fact when she starts dating Joe Alwyn, her boyfriend of six years. And then we have the resurrection of Taylor Swift in reputation. And this is reason number, I don't know, 700. I think we're on <laughs> why we tell Taylor Swift, because I can't imagine all of the things that were going through her head at this point. And there's a famous line of there will be no explanation, only reputation. And I i know there are so many things she wanted to say. And she did say multiple times, like, I did not okay You know, this, I did not say these things on a phone call. They twisted me. Kim Kardashian was calling her a snake. There was a lot of mud being thrown. And and it's so crazy. Like, what did she ever do to them? I don't know. But she did try to defend herself, but it it felt like to no avail. Like she was not doing anything wrong, yet they were winning. And she was the one being canceled. Like, why were they not canceled? I don't understand. Um, So what she did was so just... Like you can't help but root for her. The Home Reputation album is like this. So you say I did something bad. Oh, why does it feel so good? And like everything's about a snake. Like you say I'm these terrible things. You say I'm a snake. Okay. Let me just imagine I am these terrible things that you say I am and make some songs about it. Like she did with Blank Space. You say I'm a L-S-U-T, which is what she later wrote a vault song about. Blank Space was that sister song. She was never a snake. She was never a slut. She was never all of these horrible things that the media and Kanye and random people decided that she was. But by golly, she is sure heck of an artist. And she does not mind making art out of of these things. And I think that's what's so brave. You know, it's, you're bad, you're canceled, you're a snake. And then she resurrects with this whole album of, I'm bad, I'm a snake, all these snake emojis. It's like, okay, Taylor, I see you. We get lyrics like, I got smarter, I got harder in the nick of time. Honey, I rose up from the dead. I do it all the time. Yes, queen. So Reputation was a really pivotal album of not only her rising up from the dead, so to speak, rising up from being canceled, but also kind of coming into her own. And really, I think kind of making the no pun intended, reputation of like, don't mess with me. <laughs> and and I don't really care what you say about me. Actually, one of my favorite quotes from her is, we live in a world where anyone can say anything they want about you, but you have the opportunity to prove them wrong. And and that's what she's done. And, you know, despite all of that, she has broken the record for the most number one albums by a female artist. She's the first woman in history to have four albums in the top 10 at the same time. I mean, I could go on and reading all of the records she's broken. I think she has something like 10 uh, guinea's book of world records 12 grammys i don't know it's just we could say all day all the stats and records she's broken yet still people will just say she's a dumb blonde who writes breakup songs and with that as i said this reputation album is so significant on her eras tour all of her eras have different color outfits a little bit different changes you know um, just just different outfits except the reputation is always the same and That's kind of a nod of no matter what I do, no matter how many records I break, you know, this is the box that so many people put me in. However, Swifties are very much looking forward to her re-record of reputation. So this leads me to our last and final reason why we love Taylor Swift, reason that we can like kind a life lesson that we can l- look up to for her. And that is the re-record of all of her albums. There are podcasts upon podcast about this subject alone, but I am going to just hit the highlights here. So I listened to a podcast series. I'm going to put in the show notes. If you want to do a deeper dive, it is called business Wars. It's actually very interesting. I looked, I heard the, the new series, but anyway, I heard the series of Chick-fil-A versus KFC and Revlon versus L'Oreal. It's very interesting, but they did one of Taylor Swift versus Scooter Braun. And that is what this final point is about. So as we mentioned at the beginning, she is 15 years old when she signs with Big Machine Records and she signs a six album deal. So let me remember if I can do those in order. It is debut, Fearless, Red, Speak Now, 1989. And the sixth studio album is Reputation. So With the release of Reputation, she has fulfilled her contract with Big Machine Records. She's asked continuously throughout this time with them, I would like to buy my master's, and she has never allowed that opportunity. Now, she's getting a royalty when these songs are used, but the master's are the the recording. So she owns the lyrics, but the master's like, you know, with the drums and the guitar and all that kind of stuff, all put together when they're licensed to movies and commercials and you're kind of put a little bit in a box as an artist not being able to have freedom to use them for everything you want when you do not own the masters. Now, this has kind of been the standard way of doing things forever. And few artists have spoke up about it in the past. It's kind of coming to light now because of Taylor and what she's recently done with her re-records. But um, if you know Prince, you know, Little Red Corvette, maybe you do, maybe you don't from the 80s. He he kind of famously changed his name to Artist formerly known as Prince. And he was just like this symbol because he wanted to own his work. And that was part of that. There is George Michael from Wham! And he had his own solo career too. He um, did some stuff pictured like in a, in a jail, just kind of alluding to this idea of as artists, the, the box that it puts you in by not being able to own your masters. But, you know, up until this point, people have artists have, complained, have have tried to speak up about it, but nothing has really ever been done until Taylor Swift steps onto the stage. Now, as I said, six albums in, she's with Scotch Braschetta. They have a good relationship. He owns her master's. She's not happy about it, but she's kind of settled till eventually I'll be able to buy him. It is what it is. She goes with a new record label. She records Lover. You know, she's minding her own business. And then she finds out, completely, Unaware, no one told her, no one was contacted her that a guy named Scooter Braun bought her albums. They know each other because he's a big deal in the music industry. They're not like best friends, but you know, it's just they know each other, right? Well, here's their problem with that. (laughs) Infamously on Instagram, Scooter, Kanye West, and we know Taylor and Kanye's relationship at this point, and Justin Bieber. Uh, I don't know a ton about Taylor and Justin's relationship. I do know that he opened for her once upon a time, so they were at least friends. I do know, however, that he cheated on her best friend, Selena Gomez. So I think there's a little bit of bad blood there. What we do know is Kanye, Scooter, and Justin all together, buddy buddies, arms around each other, take a picture, put it on Instagram, and say, What up, Taylor Swift? Kind of like this like, hey, here's our, your, all your arch enemies hanging out together. Oh, and by the way, did you catch the news? Scooter, this guy right here, owns all of your masters. Taylor took it as like a worst case scenario. Like, this is my art. This is my babies (laughs) recorded six albums, her blood, sweat, and tears in the hands of her arch enemies. She took to social media. She's like, here's what's happening. I, you know, I had no idea that my masters are now owned by this person, like, you know, it was just kind of like this, what the heck, this sucks kind of moment. And then Kelly Clarkston famously tweeted Hey, Taylor, just an idea, but because you have written all of your own songs, you could re record them, maybe add a few bonus tracks or something, and you could re record your own albums. And Taylor's like, noted. <laughs> now, again, there's so much to unpack. I'm trying to just hit the highlights here, but this was something that everyone said would not work. I have seen articles by like people from the billboard 100 and people from Rolling Stone magazines. And they were like, you can't tell your fans to not listen to music. They already know and love because to listen to this new version, like Taylor's version or whatever. But, but at the time Taylor herself was even like, I, I don't think this is going to work. And actually it was her producers and managers and people close to her. They were like, you have an incredible fan base girlfriend. And she's like, really, you know, like a little apprehensive about it. But Long story short, she has re-recorded, I think it's four of her, of those six original albums that were under Soldier Scooter Braun. So it's just her debut album and reputation that we are still waiting on the re-record, which is kind of funny. A lot of memes are saying like all she has to take back is her name and her reputation. But I haven't unpacked it yet. Basically, the, the re-record is her old songs. They they sound very similar to the very first you know, release the very first uh, master, if you will, that exists in the world. You know, "Shake It Off," "Blank Space," all these songs that we know and love, but they are re-recorded uh, ten years later. In the example of those songs, and what's crazy is it's breaking all these records. It has all these top downloads. I was looking; at the Billboard Top 100 is like all of these Taylor Swift songs, Taylor Swift songs, and these are songs again that already exist in the world. They're not new, but they are. Taylor's version and this is another reason another life lesson that we can learn from her repurpose your content (laughs) but we kind of have this heroic phrase that so many people are getting behind of, of Taylor's version right like you see Saturday Night Live Taylor's version and people are kind of making it their own but it's it's this exciting thing it's this pop culture phenomenon of Goodness, she wrote all this stuff so long ago, and no one has done this before. No one has re-released their work and seen such phenomenal success. I heard an interview about it, and there's been a few artists that have re-released stuff, but kind of like on the download, like they just wanted to have the masters just for their own personal thing, and and that's how Taylor started as well. She said, "I didn't know if anyone would get behind this. I, I just." I wanted for the principle of myself, her, you know, as we establish her hard-headed spitfire personality, I wanted to own my master's and I figured this was the only way to do it. I I didn't know if anyone would download it. I didn't know if anyone would buy the albums and sure enough, they sure have. And I think another just case in point to take away from that is don't let naysayers stop you. Don't let it's never been done before stop you. Don't let, oh, it's too hard. I can't, no one will show up. No one will support me just try. I mean, let let this be a case of, you know, you were meant to do great things and just to keep putting one terrified foot in front of the other and see what happens. And I can't mention life lessons or things that we've learned from Taylor Swift if I don't mention her extravagant generosity. You may have heard making news lately. She gave a $100,000 bonuses to each of her truck drivers and dancers. And we're thinking maybe even stage crew too. There's an estimate of $55 million she wrote out in checks. And, and this was unprecedented. Um, If artists give, and a big if, if artists give any kind of bonus to truck drivers and, and dancers and stuff like that, in the past, I mean, no one's ever done like more than, it's like two to five thousand, maybe. And that's if they give bonus. She gave one hundred, <laughs> a life changing amount, $100,000 each to so many people who helped make her tour possible. Like again, unprecedented. Um, I heard a story of her hometown had a flood and she with her own dollars rebuilt the playground and made it this like sustainable, um, material or whatever that couldn't be flushed away if another flood came. Um, this is a story that probably didn't make news because I know about it here in the town that we live in, but our daughter's drama teacher, who we love, um, she unfortunately had a daughter pass away and her sister, um, after it happened, was telling the story of how one of the last memories she had with her sister who passed was riding around and singing Taylor Swift songs at the top of their lungs. And somehow Taylor Swift got wind of this and wrote a check of $5,000 to their family. This is just like little things that don't even make the news. Like she's just constantly blessing and giving generously. Like this is her MO. Like this is what she's known for. And it doesn't seem to be slowing down. And, And again, she's not perfect. She's not Jesus. She's doing some really good things in the world and talk about, you know, boosting the economy where her heiress tour, it is, (laughs) I saw a meme of when she went to Brazil and she's at the customs and they're like, ma'am, what is your, um, business in our country? And she's like boosting the economy (laughs) because she does. I mean, it talks about, she gives generously to every food bank where she has a tour, every city where, um, where she has a tour stop. All the restaurants, the hotels, they just boom. She's done really, really great things for every city. Canada was begging for her to come because they needed that boost to their economy. And I know that she recently added some Toronto shows. So she's doing really good things in the world. Okay, I, I didn't want to go into anything more specifically until I unpacked all of that, because that's what I've learned as kind of being a student <laughs> of learning all of the things here lately. And I just think it's interesting. So hopefully some of you guys too, like I said, share that with someone if, um, if that's helpful, but now I just kind of want to switch gears a little bit. I almost titled this episode, finding Jesus in Taylor Swift lyrics, because I can't not, not see this stuff. I know you're not supposed to say a double negative, but you know what I mean? Like I love Jesus. I love Taylor Swift. And this is the beauty of art, right? Do I think that some of these song lyrics she had, she had this intention that I would gleam this certain nugget of, of wisdom or whatever it may be from this lyric, probably not. But she, she said on a few of her tour dates, like she may have written this album about a certain boyfriend or whatever, but this is the beauty of art. This is the beauty of music that it might, might've been written at a certain time period, but now you know, within the eye of the beholder, within the ear of the beholder, if you will, it can mean so many more things. And and so with that, there's a few lyrics that are just so, um, I don't know, I can't help but unpack it. So hopefully you will find this interesting too. You have heard me talk about liquid IV on this podcast before, but if you haven't yet taken advantage of the truth for your twenties discount code, what are you doing? Here is your opportunity to stock up and to save 20%. Most people I talk to in real life because I literally talk about how much this has been so good for me. Most people are like, oh yeah, I love liquid IV. But if you are, for some reason, haven't heard of it, it is double the hydration. So one packet in a bottle of water is the equivalent of drinking two bottles of water on your body because it is so hydrating. So important for sweating, so important if you get headaches. And it just tastes good too. There are a lot of flavors. Pineapple is my favorite. But whatever your favorite is, make sure you check out the show notes. There's a link waiting for you and you can use promo code truth and get yourself 20% off your next order of liquid IV. How you get the girl. This is really just a example of so many of her songs. So, of course, a lot of them are love songs, like you know, you're the only one for me, I'm the only one for you. Like you're you're my person, right? So in How You Get the Girl, this is from 1989. I've referred to this album a lot, it's one of my favorites, but um, she says I want you for worse or for better. I would wait forever and ever. Broke your heart and put it back together. I would wait forever and ever. That's how it works. That's how you get the girl. Um, I, oh, okay, I love this because this is essentially just saying how you get the girl is say, you're the one for me. I'll wait forever and ever. You're the only person. And this is, look at almost every romantic movie and every romantic song. This is, this is what they say. You are the only one for me. I will climb the highest mountain. I will swim the deepest sea for you and you alone. Which I always think, takes me back to the garden, the very beginning. There was Adam and Eve. There was no comparison. There was no long list of ex-lovers. You are the only one for me and I am the only one for you. I just believe that God created that by no accident of like, I I always joke that I have no ancient Polaroids to prove this, but I know that Adam was smoking hot and Eve was smoking hot and God is like, you're welcome. Be fruitful and multiply. Like it was all good. You know, um, fun fact, Adam and Eve lived till they were in their 900s, right? Uh, Like also, when do you get wrinkles if you live to your 900s? But there was no, none of our genes had any defect. This was all created in perfection. There was no wrinkles. There was no cancer. There was no birth defects. Like it was all just beautiful and glorious. Uh, Side note, I think it's so fascinating that God made the world beautiful, even over functional. You know, he could have made our bodies just to function. He could have made flowers just to feed the bees. Like he could have made it all just straight functional, but instead he was so creative. He made it beautiful, you know, like I know that flowers have fragrance and have color to attract pollinators, but you could have done that with three colors and three fragrances, right? But he made more than we can ever count. Um, and in the back to the garden, this beautiful Adam, this beautiful, he could have just made us, uh, and I like you are uh, like so robot, robotic, you know, like just so functional, but he gave us the gift of beauty. So back to the Taylor Swift lyric of. You are the only one for me of this idea of I would wait forever and ever. And so many songs, like I said, kind of allude to this. I think that that is put in us by our designer, by our creator. Yes, we don't live in the Garden of Eden anymore, but I think that that is a desire of us to be seen as someone else's one and only. I I don't met anyone who's ever said, I would love to be compared. (laughs) I would love to, uh, I don't know, like say that I'm, I'm all right. No, you want to be someone's one and only like that's what we crave. You want to be someone's definition of beauty. And that is put in us by our creator. I can't unpack Taylor Swift lyrics without mentioning this line from blank space. So it's going to be forever or it's going to go down in flames. You can tell me when it's over if the high was worth the pain. (sighs) It just breaks my heart a little bit. Uh, so we we know, as we talked about, this song was kind of written in jest that she's saying that like, you think I'm just manhunter. Um, I'm reading right before it says, ain't it funny? Rumors fly. And I know you heard about me. So hey, let's be friends. I'm dying to see how this one ends. So she's kind of portraying the role of, you say, all I want to do is date people, but like, I have a soul. <laughs> But this line of it's going to be forever or it's going to go down in flames. I mean, that is true, right? You know, you're dating for marriage or you're dating for heartbreak. And and people don't often like to hear that. But I'm not saying you can't go on dates. I'm not saying you can't get to know people. But when you get so invested, <laughs> it's going to be forever or it's going to go down in flames. Like, I don't know what other options you have. Um, can you really be friends after a long-term relationship? I, I don't eh, I'm sure it's happened, but it is not easy. And I just, that's why I'm so passionate about go slow. There's no races, protect your heart, get to know that other person, get to know them in every season before you commit certainly to marriage. I mean, you don't have to get to know them in every season before you, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend or whatever, but, um, just be slow, just be careful, just guard your heart and (laughs) cause you don't want it to go down in flames. Also finding Jesus in Taylor Swift lyrics. I think there's so many of her songs that have this idea of, of good and bad, of um good versus evil. She talks about like devils roll the dice, angels roll their eyes. Um in Miss Americana, she says they whisper in the hallway she's a bad, bad girl. In reputation, she talks about I did something bad, but why does it feel so good? Like there's so many references of of bad versus good. And and I think that that's in her, I think it's in all of us, but you know, she was raised with Christian values. She, I think she knows, and this is this is a whole nother can of worms but good and bad are relative terms, right? Because my good might be different than yours and vice versa. And and I think that part of her is searching, like what do we define as good and bad? And that's probably changed in her life. And that's probably changed um, as what she's seen around her and stuff like that. And so this question of um, who who is bad, who is good? What is this relationship? Good is this relationship bad because that's complicated too. And she's talked about that in a lot of her songs, like um, this is good. Um, but it's ending bad and we've had good times, but it's ending bad. Um, So I, I can't fault you for all of that good, but this feels bad. There's so much to unpack. But I think ultimately this leads us to a conversation of ultimate truth because we live in a society of live your truth and do what's right for you and do what feels good. But we have to have an ultimate good and an ultimate bad. And, and if I am the decider of that, I'm not a good God. If you're the decider of that, like none of us make good gods. We are just humans and we need a good God. We are broken, sinful, flawed humans who who need direction and need ultimate authority. I've referenced this before, but you've heard of C.S. Lewis. Well, one of his books is called The Great Divorce, and it has nothing to do with divorce, but it is a picture of if hell was on earth, it would look like everyone getting what they wanted all of the time. Because if you think about it for a hot second, wait, that doesn't sound bad. That sounds like heaven, right? I get everything I want. Yeah, you get everything you want, all of the money, and so does your neighbor, and so does your butler, and so does your janitor and your cleaning person. You know, like if everyone gets what they want all the time, then who gets the cutest guy? Who gets the cutest girl? Who gets the biggest mansion? Who You know, you can see how... It doesn't take a whole lot of brain power to see how quickly that would break down. So back to this war of good and evil. This is what great art is about. Look at movies, look at all these beautiful song lyrics. We crave again, how we were designed. We were designed to want to be seen as someone's one and only. We were also designed to have this war within us of good and bad. And she alludes to in so many of our songs and God is good. He is very good, but it is hard to trust a God. You don't see, I get that. I I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that's not hard and it's just a, and that's where faith comes in, right? That's faith of, I, I would argue, where else would you turn? Because if, first of all, I know that God has been faithful in my life, but if God, I know that God can be is good and he can be trusted, but if not, where else, where else will I turn? Um, We often look to boyfriends, um, people look to drugs, people look to fame, people look to whatever, but (laughs) God is the only authority. God is the only ultimate good there is to offer. And I understand it is sometimes hard to trust because we can't see him. But again, (laughs) our other options are guaranteed to let us down, guaranteed, and every thing that I have experienced that, that felt like a letdown at the time always had a better ending. It felt like a letdown because the story wasn't over. Um, I mean, I can give you countless examples, breakups, moves, job changes, heartache, like it is all felt bad. It's felt like, God, where are you? Like, are you paying attention? And then I realized, Oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus for taking that away or for doing that because you made so much good from it. And these lyrics are perfect for what we just talked about. And this is from her Reputation album. Remember, as she was kind of coming back from this being canceled, you know, all these terrible things happening. This is the song, Call It What You Want. It says, My castles crumbled overnight. I brought a knife to a gunfight. They took the crown, but it's all right. All the liars are calling me one. Nobody's heard from me for months. I'm doing better than I ever was. She goes on to talk about she's in love with Joel one at this point and shucks about, he loves me like I'm brand new. And I want to talk about that lyric because she talked about that in a few of her songs, but just that this idea of a brand new, um, there's that song clean of, um, just washed and new. And obviously that makes me think of the resurrection and how God makes us brand new and how we're dead to self and rise in this new life in Christ. And, you know, even <laughs> she has that song, like, I'm sorry, the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. Why? Cause she's dead. Oh, look what you made me do. Okay. Sorry. But... <laughs> that there's so much excitement in that. It gets me excited because it's like our old self is dead. That old Katie who did live for my selfish desires. And this is a daily thing, right? You know, yes, I was baptized when I became a Christian, but I have to die to myself daily. And I mean, this is a struggle, y'all. I mean, I'm selfish like the rest of us. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it, like everybody. But, and I like get to lay down and be like, but I want to be the new Katie. I want to be washed in Christ. I want to live for something so much bigger than myself. That is living for the kingdom. That is like kingdom-minded. That is, I'm just saying, if this is interesting to you, I would love to ask something kind of crazy. And that is praying for our girl Taylor Swift. Now, a lot of people think to pray for people when something bad happens, but she is more popular than she's ever been. Like she is arguably the most famous person in our world. Um which is exciting but I'm sure there's a lot on her and and I just pray for her protection, pray for her wisdom, pray for the voices that are pouring into her, pray that she still has accountability and you know people who who love her and say hard things sometimes when that needs to be said because we we all need that, right? And and I also I have a dream you guys. I have a dream that the Powerhouse of a woman, the woman that has broken almost every world record, Spotify record, downloading record, whatever it may be. The woman who everyone who works with her says she works harder than anyone in the industry. The songwriting genius that is Taylor Swift to become head over heels in love with Jesus. Could you imagine the worship songs, the deep, thoughtful, beautiful, world-changing songs that would come from that brain and that pen and that paper, I just, I just can't even. So if you are into praying big, fun, amazing, audacious prayers, I'm just saying, could you imagine how the internet would break if we had some kind of worship song by Taylor Swift, 10 minute version? Oh, my God. that, that would be a dream come true. All right, well, this is almost an hour. This is longer than my normal podcast episode, but obviously I had a lot to say about my girl, Taylor Swift. I hope this was interesting. I hope you learned something. I hope that you're inspired. I think that she's done a lot of things well and that we can continue to cheer her on women supporting women. And likewise, if you enjoyed this podcast, if this was helpful, sharing is caring. It is so helpful when you leave a review on iTunes or Spotify, and of course, your social media. Just take a screenshot, put it on your story, tag me at Bull. life, I will gladly send you a thank you and share it as well. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope that you gain some truths for your 20s.